fairly certain that you and I have at least one thing in common. We desire above everything else that the body of Christ, ourselves included, be everything that we ought to be. And I know you're concerned about that or you wouldn't be here. And I want to make some suggestions today that I believe will greatly help in implementing the goals you've made for yourself and your constituency in achieving just exactly what God desires of you. I want to talk with you about Grace Fellowship International. I believe one of the most effective ministries in America today in aiding Christians to discover their identity and becoming in act all that they are in fact. As the name implies, Grace Fellowship International presents the message of the grace of God. I think one of the best definitions I've run into of the grace of God is an acrostic on grace, God revealing all Christ's efficiency. And that's what I'm to be, a revelation of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Specifically, I want to discuss with you something that I believe in linking arms with the church, the Christians in your community can be the means of a great move of God. And that is specifically the Grace Fellowship International three-day conference. I want to talk about it and discuss about uh, three questions with you. I was a pastor for 20 years, and being a sort of a bottom-line fellow, I, I want to know what it's about. First of all, what is it? And secondly, what... Uh, does it entail as, as far as my expectations? What can I expect from it? And thirdly, how can I go about having one in my area? Now, I want to try to answer those three questions. And first of all, let's just talk about what it is. Uh, in nuts and bolts, this is a conference that uh, involves Thursday night and Friday night and thus does not bite into the work week and thus your lay folks can attend and then all day Saturday. So we're talking about 12 to 15 hours of intense study. Now let's talk about the curriculum. The curriculum involves the truths of identification, who we are in Christ, who He is in us, and the magnitude of the implications of what those truths can bring to our lives. I believe that essentially the problems that keep us in the church as Christians from being all we were redeemed to be and all we were really equipped to be are problems basically of identity. When we discover who we are, we discover inherent in who we are the ability to be, in fact, what we are. My wife and I had the privilege of going through a three-day a three conference in the Grace Fellowship International. And uh, I've had the privilege of uh, setting in on, on several others. The two things that I remember best, aside from the great fellowship with saints of like order, was the wheel and line illustration that visualizes, as I've never seen any more clearly, the matter of salvation, what it means to be lost, what it means to be saved, the truths that... Uh, about what happened when I got saved, the source of problems that develop 
after the salvation experience within the framework of the relationship. And that was a very helpful illustration to me, specifically at the point in bringing into a point of decision, of claiming, of transacting the matter of identification. In fact, it was at one of these conferences that my wife, who had suffered a great deal of rejection being a product of a broken home and, and other matters pertaining to that, entered into the truths of identification in her own life. I'd had that privilege of entering in a good many years before, even before I knew Chuck Solomon. And as we got together for the first time, uh, we knew that we were using different terms, but talking about the same vital experience of entering in to all that we were and are in Jesus Christ. And that illustration is uh, one of the things that helps uh, set the pace for the excitement of the entire conference. Now, another I remember is centered around righteousness, receiving our righteousness. I believe that one of the problems among Christians today is that they've developed a sin consciousness. And indeed, we ought to have a sin consciousness until we're forgiven. And then we ought to develop a righteousness consciousness. And I never will forget Leela Faber talking about receiving your righteousness. And there is excitement centered around these. And you can imagine studying three hours on Thursday night and three hours on Friday night and all day on Saturday that uh, such a curriculum is going to be a personal revival. Now let's uh, answer the question, what we may expect. What may we expect from such a conference? Well, I suppose the best way to do this is to share with you what happened in my own life and what I've seen happen in the lives of those attending the conferences. Many of them have come, first of all, out of a sense of personal need. How many pastors attend to try to get handles on a biblical, Christ-centered, spirit-filled counseling, and yet needs are great in their own lives, and you and I never hide the fact that we too have needs. And so the first thing that happens, we get a handle on some of the problems and some of the areas of aching and hurting in our own lives. Then those who attend from our churches began to get a view of the Christian life and how it operates, how God functions in us, both desiring and offering the dynamic for the doing of His will. Things began to come together, and as they do, folks walk into liberation, into a sense of authentic identity. Now, that is never just all that happens. You and I both know that when someone has an experience in which Christ becomes real, and their handles to the Christian life that we can get a hold of, it never stops there. We want to be a help. There is no pastor in the world that can handle the counseling load, add to it his preaching and study responsibilities, remain a man of prayer, and care for the administration that is naturally forced upon him. Your people need themselves to become liberators. A biblical-centered counseling ministry can bring them to that liberation.
just this week I've discussed with someone who entered into the truths of identification. Uh, a ministry that developed around that experience and now full-time they're ministering to people day and night in their area with a great deal of joy. So I believe that you could expect a real renewal in your own life. Some answers that you've long sought and the implementation of the message of grace, who we are in Christ, who He is in us, and what we may expect from that relationship. He being in us and we being in Him. And I believe that the result could well be a revival in your area. And I know you're interested in that. I was a part of of a great awakening in a body of Christ, a local body where I was pastor. If I had to point to any one truth that was the foundation, the point from which it sprang, it was specifically this matter of Christ and His position in us as well as ours in Him. Once the Christian discovers that his old identity is no more, he has become, in fact, a new creation. Nothing is ever the same. And he knows that life is new. And he enters into being and behaving according to what he really is. And so I believe that you may well expect that. Now, I want to investigate just a little more uh, that result. What is it to enter in to identification with Christ? It is the discovery that I am no longer on a performance base in life. I am accepted in the Beloved. Christ has become my life. My new identity is Christ in meity. Yours, Christ in uity. I'm in Him. He is in me. I'm in Him for relationship. He is in me for fellowship and effectiveness. I am in Him for forgiveness. He is in me to effect life as life ought to be lived. And so I discover within that context that Christ is literally my life. And His death is mine. His burial is mine. His resurrection is mine. His victory over Satan is mine. And every day becomes an appropriation of the victory of Christ within us. The message of Grace Fellowship International, a message of grace, shares with the believer that we have entered into all the inheritance that is ours in Christ. We have become the very righteousness of God in Christ. We have received the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. And this becomes the means by which we minister in the power of God. And thus the challenge will be laid upon those who attend these conferences. Now, unlike many meetings that I have sometimes, in which there is a, a tendency to have a fever followed by a chill, I believe that so basic and so practical is the message of grace, and especially in this three-day seminar, that you could expect 
to come back in six months and ask these registrants at the seminar what, uh, what it was that happened to them. Was it vital? They would relate to you that in that conference they saw truth that was intensely, immediately, and continuously practical in their relation to themselves, in their relationship to God, in their relationship to their work, in relationship to others. You see, we best witness when we have something to witness about. And I believe that many plans of evangelism, as solid as they are, do not fix on one possibility, that we're asking a person to give a witness before he becomes a witness. I met a girl a little while ago, and she is a great singer. But she entered a period in which she didn't sing. And somebody asked her, why aren't you singing? She said, I'm not singing because I don't have a song. I think we're asking people to witness sometimes who are not aware of who they are, and thus they don't have a message. But once they become acquainted with who they are in Christ, then they become witnesses indeed. Once it is something they are, it becomes something they inevitably do. Now, you have people in your fellowship who share your common desire. They really want to be everything that God saved them to be. And yet many of them have never put together the truths that you will find in a three-day conference with Grace Fellowship International. In those 12 to 15 hours, you're going to discover with them what this Christian life is about, how it works, the laws of God's operation, how he relates to his own. And aside from your being personally blessed, of course, you're doubly blessed when those you represent, those you serve, to whom you preach, are blessed and changed. I've discovered that a preacher has about three levels of blessing. One, he's blessed when people just listen to him preach. That's a compliment to him. The next level of blessing is when they are impressed with what he says as being the truth. And their life is an amen. They may not say it. They may not nod their heads or wave a hand when they hear it. But they begin to say amen by their lives. The ultimate blessing is when the message you share changes the lives of those with whom you've shared it. And I believe that you will receive yourself some light in an area that is going to prepare the church for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that the bride is far from being in looks, behavior, and disposition, the bride that she ought to be. In conclusion, let's discuss the question, how can I support the upcoming conference in this area? And I uh, want to share with you several very important considerations. And the first is, you need to declare that time already designated 
as an absolute priority. I know enough about a pastor's schedule to know that uh, if he counts on that time clearing itself, everything will happen to the contrary. So the first thing I'd suggest to you as a spiritual leader is that you mark that time on your calendar and determine that nothing will prevent you from being there. Now the second thing, it's a foregone conclusion that these conferences are as successful as the response of the spiritual leaders. Your folks are looking to you to tell you what's important, what's of value. And uh, nothing should come to your area that would be of potential benefit to them and you without your taking advantage of it. And so you ought to urge them to come to the conference with you. I'm thinking of two or three groups. First of all, some of the greatest testimonies have come from pastors and their entire families who've come as a family to these conferences. So urge your family to be a part of it. It'd be a wonderful family outing. And you'd have many things to discuss as a family in relating to many things in the months to come. The truths that you learn in the conference could be the subject of discussion in upcoming conflicts and plans and goals and uh, growing in the Lord. Now the next level is that of your staff, those who surround you. I believe that such a blessing will come to them and you that you'll find unity more beautiful. Now there are two other groups that I want to mention. There are people in your church that seem to be chronic in being plagued with problems. And sometimes you see them coming and you say, well, we're going over the same things again. Probably already, as we've discussed the facets of grace, you have thought of three or four people that you believe would be blessed by the message of discovering their authentic identity. You have people who are problems to themselves and to your fellowship because they're confused about who they are. And there's a law in human behavior that simply says we act like what we think we are, whether that's what we are or not. And uh, I'd just get the message to them that there's something coming they dare not miss. Then your deacons or elders or board members, trustees, ought to be a part of it. So you can uh, subtly and more than subtle share with them that there's something coming that would be of such blessing that you've determined to set apart the time and would appreciate it very much if they did. But another group I want to mention, and somehow God will reveal these to you, there are people in your church that stand as immediate prospects to help lift the load of counseling off your shoulders. One of the most beautiful things is to see people go through uh, these conferences and themselves being liberated become liberators. And then you can enlist everybody you can think of. I want to assure you personally that I believe the more you get to come, the more people you'll have thanking you for a very wise and helpful suggestion.
I've recommended these conferences to many people across the country. I have yet to have one say to me, Jack, frankly, I was disappointed. Not one. To the contrary, many of them have had such life-changing experiences that they declare and exhibit the fact that they'll never get over it. And that's the reason I'm excited for you. So I'd like to just have a moment of prayer with you. And then we'll give you uh, a means by which you can get all the information you need right now. So let's spend a minute of prayer together, shall we? Father, I thank you that you know and understand and love us in the midst of all the problems we experience, all the frustrations in unmet goals, unachieved plans. And I thank you that you know the needs of those who today, even at this gathering, who suffer in quietness and privacy. I praise you that there is no need or hurt that is not covered and met by your grace, revealed through your word and in the lives of people. I thank you for what we are in Christ. I thank you that we can love what we are in Christ. I praise you that we're new creations in him, accepted in the beloved, his masterpieces created in Christ Jesus under good works. I thank you for Chuck Solomon and his team, those who assist him, and for those across the country who've been helped and healed and changed by the power of God through the processes of spiritual therapy and the influence of these God-anointed conferences. I praise you for our position in Christ. And now as we simply ask you, what would you have us do? Teach us how to know your voice and how to respond. We pray for the upcoming conference that all of those you would desire to be there would be there. And that it might be the most anointed conference ever held. May it mean revival in every fellowship represented. And we'll give you the praise because we believe we've prayed in your will. In Jesus' name, amen.